Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. Um, after a bit of a break from the show, we are back here live at the Riverwalk Recording Studio downtown San Antonio. Today was supposed to actually be the boat show. Um, unfortunately, um, he got tied up in some work stuff, so he had some important things to take care of, but uh, looking to get him on the show hopefully next week sometime. Uh, more to come on that, but uh, you've got your uh, usual featured guest and co-host, Joe Martinez on the Anchor Podcast Performance Line, everybody, today. Um, I'm going to go through some stuff here with him. Uh, since we really haven't had a show here in a while, uh, we've got a lot to catch up on. Um, we'll try to keep it short and sweet, but uh, there is um, quite a bit that has gone on in the world of sports since we last recorded with Remington about a month ago. Um, you know, Joe, um, starting out with just the uh, NCAA tournament, uh, you know, March Madness got wrapped up um, early this month, um, you know, with the uh, Baylor Bears just dominating the uh, Gonzaga uh, Bulldogs in the championship game. Um, your overall thoughts on just uh, what you saw in the tournament this year and uh, ultimately um, your reactions to uh, what happened in the championship game with Baylor and Gonzaga. Honestly, I think that's probably one of the uh, you know, underdog teams. Uh, I know it was pretty close to a record many of those teams had I actually surprised that Chicago Loyola didn't have make it to the Elite Eight or Final Four. I thought they had a solid um another disappointing year for the around and you um you can only move forward. I don't think you can get any worse. The Longers have showed that you know they, they have improved some they just need I think a change in leadership is is good for them. Uh, as far as the chip, I'm that. I mean, it's a, an ass kicking. You know, there's one beat, but on literally every facet of basketball, they were. them, they outshot them. It was just a defensive clinic, but congrats to them on their first national championship. Yeah, um, you know, quite the beatdown by uh, the Baylor Bears in that championship game. And, uh, you know, um, what it was was the uh, Gonzaga Bulldogs actually led the NCAA in a two-point shooting percentage. And uh, the Baylor Bears were the um, highest three-point percentage. So, I mean... If the Baylor Bears came out shooting well from beyond the arc, which they did, um, Gonzaga was going to struggle, and they started trying to hoist threes um, as they got behind, and they just didn't have anybody who could really knock anything down from out there, um, which ultimately led to their demise. Um, for me, I mean, you know, Gonzaga's been um, in the mix in these uh, – tournaments for a number of years and have worked their way up on, you know, up into the high rankings, even in the preseason and throughout the season, just because of what they've done uh, year in and year out in these tournaments. Um, but I think for me with these guys to uh, make that next push is they've got to join a bigger, better conference than what they're in. I mean, they've got to, They've got to be a little more battle-tested coming into the tournament. Um, they had a relatively easy road to get to the championship this year. Um, you know, for me, I would say I would I would like to see them join the Pac-12 or one of these uh, bigger conferences. I know the Pac-12 is kind of 
Um, all those teams are kind of close to them. And we saw um, this year kind of what their what the Pac-12 was capable, capable of. I mean, a lot of those, you know, teams that made the tournament from that league ended up going pretty far and um, had a pretty strong showing, um, you know, a lot stronger showing than what we had from the Big 12. We had a lot of first-round exits and, uh, you know, a couple second round exits. Of course, the national champion uh, was the Baylor Bears, but uh, you know it was tough to see, especially from uh, a, a Longhorn fan standpoint. Um, with another early exit under head coach Shaka Smart, um, Joe. Any thoughts on those remarks? I completely agree with you. So moving forward with everything, I mean, I mean, where where else can you go? <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Uh, I think that's just going to be the step they have to take because I mean, they just they steamroll teams in their uh, in their conference, and they just you know. And they they do make really good runs, but when they do run into the, one of these bigger teams, they do struggle. So, I mean, it's it's only it's only going to help them if they were to join a, a bigger, better conference. But uh, you know, um, they they did end up getting another uh, really highly recruited guy to sign on for next year. So, um, of course, they'll yeah, be from uh, what was. They'll be back in the mix with him. Um, I know he was – I don't know if he was – I think he might have been the number one recruit, actually. But uh, Creighton, right, or something like that, I believe. Yeah, he was – I think he may have committed somewhere else and then committed to them, um, something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, of course they're going to be in the mix every year. They always are. But just to get over that hump, I think they would, you know, only benefit from joining a different conference. But, uh, um, you know, I had mentioned earlier, Joe, that uh, Shaka Smart was 0 for 3 in the uh, big tournament um, with Texas. Um, and, you know, with a, a terrible loss to the uh, – Abilene Christian Wildcats this year um, was just kind of the final straw for Shaka, especially after they had had, you know, some success in the regular season and ended up being uh, Big 12 champions of the Big 12 champion uh, tournament. So, um, of course, Texas made their move, bringing in Chris Beard, um, as head coach for the Horns this next year. Um, you know, a little bit of history with Beard. Uh, you know, he was head coach over there at McMurray, little Division Three school out in Abilene, Texas. And uh, I was actually recruited by him in my junior year of high school to uh, play for McMurray. And then um, my senior year, he ended up getting a new job at San Angelo State. Um, where he rebuilt that program and then ultimately moved on to uh, Texas Tech, where just um, the last tournament we had, because we didn't have one last year, um, he took the Texas Tech Red Raiders to the championship game um, against Virginia and, you know, narrowly lost. Um so he's he's had a way of uh, turning around programs in a hurry and seems to have some winning pedigree. Uh, Joe, your thoughts on Chris Beard to Texas? I just think he's a natural born leader and you know, just by the success that I'm sure you know he spends I'm sure hours and hours in the office just you know dissecting his own team. Yeah. Let alone the opponent, you know, and I think he's, you know, just because of his success and you look back at all of it, he's a really good person who 
builds that relationship with his players. You know, they trust in him. He gets them to buy into the message he's trying to, you know, set the tone with. And I'm sure the message is different every year. It's not, it's not like the, you know, the old cliche type of coaching that, you know, where players finally just give up on your message because it's not working. And I'm sure he's one of those coaches that if something's not working, you know, he's quick to fix it. He doesn't wait till the last minute. And he's very um, precise at what he does. And, you know, it's a, <clears throat> with all the success that follows him, you know, it's, it's an exciting time, you know, to see what he does with this roster. And the roster has plenty of talent going into the year. Yeah, he's uh he's already been pulling some pretty good recruits and transfers, so uh um we'll see what he can do with uh the bones of what's left after Shaka and uh we'll see if uh Courtney Ramey may stay. Um Andrew Jones will be back. Um I think there's a couple other key guys that um were on the bench that may come back. You might see Jared uh Liddell um, start getting some playing time if he falls into favor. Greg Brown was good this year; he'll be back. Um, so he's got some uh, some talent to work with, and he look, seems to be bringing in some transfer guys and um, new recruits that we weren't getting under Shaka um, into the fold for next year. Um, but looking on, uh, staying with UT, Joey, they just had their spring game on Saturday, um, the orange versus white game. Um, I don't know how much you saw of that. I watched the whole thing yesterday. Um, you know, the uh, the orange team was uh, led by Casey Thompson in the first team offense. Um and then, of course, the uh, white team was led by Hudson Card in the second team offense. Um, just from what I saw from it, Joe, uh, Casey Thompson looked pretty good at first, and then he started getting a little more rattled as the game went on. Um, I believe he threw two interceptions, uh, one touchdown pass. Um he was kind of uh, escaping some pressure in the pocket. He's got a uh, um, he, he's pretty athletic, and we saw what he can do against uh, Colorado in the Alamo Bowl last year. Um, but Hudson Card really put on a clinic um, out there, and his team ultimately ended up winning. Um, I think he threw two touchdown passes and the passes that he was making were really crisp, um, right on target. Um, it was interesting to see cause we, we really hadn't gotten much exposure on him, um, as a longhorn as of yet, but, uh, Hudson card was looking really good out there, Joe. Um, any thoughts or if you saw anything from the game, Joe? Uh, I saw some some of the highlights, and honestly, the especially looked a lot better. I don't know if maybe it's the coaching change or the change of culture, you know, but the defense actually looked like they were hustling. You know, again, going back to what you were talking about, pressure. You know, all the highlights mostly were of the defense just putting consistent pressure. You know, on both sides of the ball with the orange team and the white team. There's you know, flying all over the place. And I did see uh, some highlights of Roshan Johnson running the ball. And the running game actually looked really good for once. And the play calling once than um, um, the previous coaching staff, you know, and the running game quarter running every single play just about. I mean, it seemed like hopefully he's been getting you know, whip up a game plan for these guys. And um, at the start of the season, you know, they're able to put it all together, get enough reps and, and coming season. Cause I mean, winning six games, it's getting a little old, you know? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I saw some similar stuff, uh, you know, Bajan Robinson looked really good, um, on the orange team. 
Um, he's going to be your starting running back uh, this next year, um, it looks like. Um, and he looked really good um, in flashes last year. Um, of course, he was uh, splitting some carries last year with um, Keontae Ingram and um, Roshan, but Ingram has left the program. Um, Roshan Johnson's still there, who's going to be a, still a really good option for them, them at running back. But, uh, yeah, like, you know, they were running the ball um, pretty well on a lot of the, the plays that they had called on the ground. And, uh, you know, they were making pretty good holes for the guys. Um, they were getting, you know, positive yards pretty much every play they ran the ball um, and getting pretty good chunks too. So um, if they can, you know, establish that running game, especially, you know, that we're going to have a younger quarterback now um, at the helm is going to be huge for them to establish that. Um, you know, Bajan Robinson and um, Roshan Johnson are going to be big on the ground next year. Um, you know, some of these wide receivers are going to have to step up. Um, some of these guys that have been around for a little while, like Malcolm Epps and, uh, you know, Woodard and Marquise Washington and um, Cade Brewer, they're going to have to catch some balls that, may not be perfectly thrown to them. Um, you know, Joshua Moore is another one that's going to have to be uh, one of the big-time receivers next year. Um, you might even see a little bit of Kai Money out there. He played a really good game on Saturday. Um, these guys have to step up and make some, you know, almost incredible catches at times to kind of support these younger guys because – when Big 12 football rolls around, it's not going to be, um, you know, any, you know, easy affair going against, uh, you know, OU and uh, Baylor and uh, Texas Tech. Um, some of these bigger name teams, they're playing Arkansas um, in the preseason this year. So these guys are going to have to, you know, step up in a hurry on the offensive side of the football. Um yeah, the defensive side of the football looked really good. Um, almost better than the offensive side. Um, they were getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, I think um, the defense combined for like three or four interceptions. Um, so they were getting turnovers, um, you know, getting in the backfield, hurrying, uh, hurrying the quarterback, and then also corralling the running backs. Um, here and there, um, you know, Demarion Overshone is going to be kind of the quarterback of the defense now that we've lost Caden Stearns um, back there um, in the secondary. Um, look for him to be really good. Um, they've got a couple of those uh, big linemen coming back um, um, at the defensive line, Keandre Colburn. Um, there was a couple other guys that looked pretty good on the line. Um, and then, of course, Deshaun Jameson at the corner position um, had that 91-yard uh, pick six on Saturday. So these guys are hungry. Um, they're ready to play. It looks like Sark Daddy is really starting to uh, light the flame underneath these guys. Um, they took a lot more shots downfield offensively. Um, they did not play really conservative, um, as we're accustomed to seeing. Um, you know, they ran the ball effectively and uh, took some deep shots downfield when needed. So um, I think it's going to be uh, an exciting brand of football to watch next year. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I, I don't. I don't think they'll be the kind of players in. You got to get your system in. Wrong. Wrong. It's a pretty good ball game, but it's really going to down to defense can tackle. I mean, the last four years, they couldn't 
they couldn't tackle to save their lives. So I think that's really what it's going to come down to is if this defense can finally put a hat in a hat. Yeah, I mean, especially with these young quarterbacks, they're not going to have – it's not going to be like having Sam Ellinger in the gun anymore where you can depend on him to win games. The defense is going to have to step up and get turnovers and help out the offense because it's not always going to be – easy going on that side so um it should be interesting to see um if they can you know at least um you know be in contention to be into the big 12 championship as they should be um every year um under this first year under sarkeesian um and just see if they can make some waves. You know, of course, a lot of these guys are still going to be leftover Tom Herman guys, but um, it, I think they're good enough to win now. Um, you know, of course, probably not get to the uh, the playoff, but uh, at least wreak some havoc in the Big 12 and maybe get to the Big 12 championship game. It's very possible. They just need a you know, they just need to buy this new system, go out, have fun, and perform. Yeah. Um, so, should be interesting to watch. It's definitely going to be a different brand of football in Austin. Uh, switching gears here, Joe, to the NBA, we've got about <clears throat> 10 to 15 games left, depending on your team, um, of the regular season here. Um, getting down to the nitty-gritty here. Of course, this year they're having those uh, play-in games. Uh, so if your team is 1 through 10, you have a chance of making the playoffs um, here still. So, um, you know, after the All-Star break, the Spurs have kind of struggled, Joe, um, trying to get a rhythm. And, of course, the LaMarcus Aldridge thing. Um, and, you know, having to play all these back-to-backs, they've been on the road quite a bit. Um, I believe they're sitting in that, uh, nine or 10 spot right now. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on what these Spurs need to do down the stretch? And, um, you know, what do you think they can do if they can get into at least the play-in game? I think the best case scenario with the Spurs is to not be a play-in game. Honestly, Sam, uh, I don't think this team is built to win just yet. But if they can get in as the number nine or the number eight seed, hopefully the eight seed, so they don't have to worry about a, a play-in. I think they can wreck some, you know, bring some noise to the uh, to the playoffs. You know, I think Coach Popovich. You know, Coach Pop. You know, you can't downplay all of his experience in the playoffs, you know, he's taken a very weak Spurs teams, at least to the second or third round. I mean, you go back to their first championship with Timmy and Avery Johnson, and then they weren't even supposed to be in the championship when they won. So, I mean, it just goes to the level of professionalism and how good of a coach that Pop is. And I think Pop is going to, you know, these last 17 games, I think they really need to at least win 12 of the 17 if they, want a chance to be in the mix, at least in the eighth spot. But I think it's really for the for the playing game. It just depends on matchup. Uh, they don't match up very well with a lot of teams right now just because they don't have perennial scorers, you know. DeMar DeRozan, he's on, or he's on and off sometimes. I mean, late in the game, if, you know, clutch time, you know, you need to make a shot. I mean, he's known to – turned the ball over, not like his Raptor days where, you know, he was kind of go-to with Kyle Lowry, but really I think the Spurs need to win at least 12 of the last 17, and they need to find their stride heading into the playoffs if they want to make some noise. Yeah, I mean, I saw him in person last week um, against the Heat, and, uh, you know, it was just evident they don't have three-point shooters um, they don't have much of a post presence inside. Um, they they struggled to score um, into the fourth quarter. They kept up with them until about eight minutes left. And um, 
Tyler Hero hit four threes in a row down the stretch. Um, but they just they started hoisting threes when they got down, and they just hadn't didn't have anybody who could really just straight knock them down. Like Patty Mills is probably their best three point shooter, and I mean he's streaky at best from outside. And I think really what hurt the Spurs was, you know, that month of February and March. I mean, they had so many players out with injuries and COVID, and they just really, they just fell apart. And we saw in college basketball, you know, that was the undoing of a lot of these teams that are usually in the tournament. So it's gonna, it's the same way, you know, with, uh, with the Lakers right now. I think Davis, ever since he came back from injury, he's not consistent. And, you know, that begs the question – is he truly an MVP player or is LeBron carrying the Lakers more than what we think? So it's, it's everywhere, you know, injuries and COVID it's yeah. really, I think it's really just dismantled a lot of these teams that we saw earlier in the year that were dominating. I mean, the Spurs were up there in like the top six. I mean, they were never doing good. And then all those injuries happened and they've never, they haven't been the same. Yeah, they were battling up there for like the four or five spot there for a while. And, uh, of course, LaMarcus got hurt. I think DeMar went down for a while. Um, Derek White was out for a good while. Keldon Johnson and then Vessel. Or Vassal, I forgot how how to say his name. but Yeah, they've – I mean, especially with a young team who's trying to build chemistry, that's just going to, of course, just put a hold on things. Yeah. so yeah, I mean if they if they can get into the playoffs and make it through the play in game, um, you know, they can put a couple games up on somebody. Um, they're definitely good enough to do that. I don't see them um if they make it in, I don't see them getting out of the first round um or anything like that. But uh they can still wreak a little havoc and you know, maybe they can push in game seven on somebody, but we'll see. Um, you know, some other predictions for the NBA playoffs as we're coming up here on the break. Um, you know, I I don't believe in this Brooklyn Nuts team. Of course, they've been – they've kind of recl- reclaimed the throne up top in the east, even with, you know, about half of their troops at full strength. Um, but I would not be surprised if you saw an early exit from the Nets this year, um, especially if they ran into a team that's kind of in the bottom of the East, like the Miami Heat, who's in the seventh spot um, right now, who's going to have to probably worry about playing the play-in game. Um, you know, if they were to run into them the first or second round, that could be that could definitely cause some issues for them. Um, and then, you know, another thing out there is will Milwaukee finally get their stuff together and make a, a run at the championship? I mean, you know, they've been the favorite out east for the past three or four years and have come up short um, the past three or four years. So... Um, there's no Kawhi standing in their way. Um, they, you know, of course, they lost to the Heat last year, um, but they do have to try to get through this Brooklyn Nets team and then the 76ers, um, and then the Celtics are no easy out. So um, maybe they can figure it out this year. They've, you know, rekindled some different pieces around Giannis. Um, Drew Holiday has been a pretty good addition for them. Um, you know, of course, Chris Middleton has been there for a while. And then if they can get uh, the Greek freak to knock down some outside shots and, um, you know, some of the other role players to step up, especially when the playoffs start, um, maybe we would see them come out of the East this year. Um We'll have some more um, NBA talk coming up here after the break. You're listening to the 94 Feet and Beyond podcast with your boy Joe Martinez and Sam Berg. Uh, Kind of picking up where we left off um, with the NBA talk, Joe. Um, 
any thoughts on um, what I just said about those squads or any thoughts of your own on any other squads that I haven't mentioned yet? Oh, no, man. I mean, you hit it on the nail. Uh, I think Brooklyn's in for a rude awakening. I honestly do believe they're overrated. Uh, dude, I mean, they've been – how many more games is Kyrie Irving going to take off? <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Like, dude, pay, to me, if you're taking that many days off, you need to pay the organization back. I'm sorry. That dude's probably missed close to 20 to 30 games, I'm sure, for personal reasons, for his birthday – yeah, now he's coming up with now he's coming up with this BS about he wants to do a fasting with his Muslim brothers, his black Muslim brothers and sisters. I'm like, dude, how many times are you gonna leave your team out to dry? You know, it's yeah. it's ridiculous. I don't, I don't think the Nets are ever gonna win a championship with that mentality. I I think Kyrie has turned into a cancer. And that's oh, I'm yeah. just gonna I'm just gonna leave it at that because we can. That's a whole other topic we can just go on and on about. Yeah, we can do the Kyrie Irving podcast, but I mean, yeah. it's just, uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, he's probably missed half the season. And, you know, uh, Kevin Durant's missed a good chunk of the year injured. Um, Blake Griffin. Harden. Yeah, Harden's been hurt. I mean, they've all three of them. Uh, playing on the same court together, I mean, it's probably been single-digit amount of games. Um, yeah. And, you know, it also doesn't help that LaMarcus is retired now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Blake Griffin, I mean, he thinks he's the second coming of Jesus for whatever reason, and he's trash. I mean, come on now. <laughs> it's like, they're trying to... They're trying to rekindle Lob City out there with DeAndre Jordan and uh, yeah, I mean uh, Blake Griffin, but these guys are way older now. And uh, you know, I think Blake Griffin was injured a lot of the season when he was with the Pistons. Yeah. So I, I mean, mean, who knows? And then I don't even want to talk about Giannis. I just think he's a choker, good player. I don't think he's ever going to be championship caliber though. Uh, the one I'm very surprised at is uh, Joel Embiid. You know, he's really improved a lot. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see the 76ers in the finals, assuming that, you know, all these role players around him continue to do their job and he just continues to go to work down in the block. And then you have the flip side on the West. Don't be surprised if the if the Denver Nuggets and Joker are there in the finals or if not in the Western Conference Finals with possibly the Lakers. I don't think the Clippers will make it. I think I think LeBron will get his team up to par. And I think that series will go seven. And, you know, Jokic is another MVP player. It's really the, like a year of the bigs this year with between Embiid and Jokic on who gets the MVP. So it's really a toss-up at, you know, who do you think is going to win kind of thing. And if those two players are – playing at their max potential and the players around them are playing at their max potential, you, you'll have a really good um, 2021 NBA Finals. And I think that series between those two teams probably go seven. And I would give the edge to the Nuggets. Yeah, I mean, the, the Nuggets put in a pretty good run last year. Um, of course, knocking off Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers was a big one. And uh, I think they pushed the Lakers to six games. Yeah, um, to six. And if it wasn't for a miss by, uh, I think it was Jamal Murray, I mean, they're, they're going to a game seven, and who knows what happens. Yeah, it's just uh, they added some more pieces as well, um, especially at the trade deadline. Um, the big one was uh, Aaron Gordon. Um, and they added a couple other guys I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but uh, they made some trade deadline moves. Um, there is some concern with Jamal Murray's um, health right now, I believe. I think he's out um, at the moment, but uh, I don't know. I would not be surprised if the Lakers get it together and end up repeating as well. 
Um, yeah, I, I, they're just missing their leader. That's all it is. Yeah, I mean, if and it sounds like he's going to be coming back this weekend um, to play on Sunday um, with these guys. If he's able to rally the troops and if he's able to play pretty well, I mean, of course, they have Anthony Davis already. A lot of these other guys that are role player guys have been getting a lot of minutes. So they've developed um, pretty nicely for them. Um, Dennis Schroeder's played pretty well this year. Um, Kyle Kuzma's starting to develop pretty well. And then, of course, the addition of Andre Drummond down low um, is a big one for them. So if they can, if he can rally the troops and if he's able to play, I mean, even if, it, if he's playing at 80 or 90% of what he can do, I mean, they're still going to be a hard team to knock out. Um, and it's kind of like I, I still don't really believe in these Clippers. Um, you know, Paul George always shies away from the limelight, especially in the playoffs. Um, Kawhi Leonard's always, you know, he's he's just a drama queen at this point. He's always, oh, I don't want to be here. or You know, he doesn't. If it's not working for him, he has to start crying about it. And people around here know all about that. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, it's just diva drama queen stuff going on over there. They're, so that's just, I mean, if they don't, if someone doesn't beat them, they'll beat themselves. Um, yeah, I mean, you know it's bad when Rondo is your leader and he's not even a superstar anymore. So. Yeah, it's just they had to bring in playoff P for leadership because they can't entrust Kawhi with it because he doesn't ever say anything. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, it's just a whole issue over there that's all revolves around Kawhi, really. Um, and then you've got the Suns who have just been playing unconscious all year long. Um, with CP3 and Devin Booker and some of those other young guys they have. Um, and then, of course, you can't count out the Utah Jazz, um, led by um, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. Um, so those guys, I think they're number one right now um, in the West. I think the Suns are number two. Um, I think the Clippers are number three. Um, after that, I'm not sure. Um, I believe the the Lakers are number five. They've slipped down because of uh, all the injuries they've had. Um, but, yeah, it's, I mean, out west it's going to be pretty tough in the playoffs um, as usual. Um, of course, Luka Doncic and the Mavericks are starting to figure things out. Kristaps Porzingis is playing a little bit better. Um, if he can stay healthy throughout the, um, you know, the remainder of the year in the playoffs, they can upset somebody. Um, so yeah, it's going to be very interesting on both sides, especially the West. Um, you know, for Miami, um, can they get, uh, you know, hopefully they can make another run. Um, and I think they can, especially if they can get Victor Oladipo healthy in time uh, for the playoffs because Jimmy Butler's playing well again. Um, Tyler Hero's playing uh, really good basketball. Um, Duncan Robinson's still knocking down threes. Bam Adebayo um, has had an all-star type season, even though he wasn't selected for the all-star game. Um they have some good pieces on the bench with Goran Dragic. Um, they added Dwayne Dedman at the trade deadline. They have Trevor Ariza, um, Andre Iguodala. Um, and then even their rookie, Precious Achua, uh, has done pretty well um, in the backup kind of role for uh, Bam Adebayo. So... Um, they've got the pieces. It's just can they put it all together? And, you know, if they're going to be down there at the bottom, they're going to run into somebody good early, um, like the Sixers or um, even the Nets. 
So it really kind of depends on where they end up and who they match up with in the play-in games. I think they'll be okay in the play-in games. It's just really who they get in the first round will kind of determine how well they do. And if, you know, they're shooting the wall well enough and get the chemistry going, if they can uh, get Oladipo healthy in time. But uh, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, it's going to be probably the, the Bucks versus the Sixers um, out east for the Eastern Conference Championship. Um, you could see Brooklyn in there. But uh, I just don't – even if they make it that far, I think whoever plays them has an advantage on them because this Bucks team has been together for a while. And even this uh, Sixers team has been together for a bit. Um, you know, they have been Simmons. Um, and then, of course, Joel Embiid's putting on an MVP campaign this year. Um and then, you know, it's really going to come down to what can Tobias Harris bring to the table? Um, can he be a consistent scoring threat, which he has shown to be this year? Um, I think he's the key to them, especially in the playoffs, because they're going to be keying up on, uh, you know, Joel Embiid. So if he can really step up and some of the other role guys like Danny Green, um, and some of the other bench guys that they have, um, Seth Curry, um, if some of those guys can implode on scoring and uh, kind of help support the starters a little bit, um, they could make a pretty deep run. Um, you know, as we close up the uh, NBA segment, Joe, um, any last remarks on the NBA and playoffs and playoff predictions? I, I totally agree with everything you said about the Heat. I think uh, for them, it's going to be much like um, their championship run. It's going to come down to matchups. And, they, I mean, they're a good enough team to make noise. Uh, you know, it should be an interesting playoffs, I think. Um, I, I'll close it in on the Lakers. I think it's in their best interest to stay in the middle of the pack just to give LeBron and Anthony Davis some time to you know, get back into some basketball shape and, you know, I think a little bit, <clears throat> I want to say easier games because they are professionals, but let's be real. I mean, they're a juggernaut compared to these middle-of-the-pack teams, and if they can land some middle-of-the-pack teams in the first and second round, it'll help them for that, uh, what should be a conference finals and a finals uh, push to the championship. So, and I think it's in their best interest to, you know, matchups, you know, get some easy, hopefully for them, you know, they get, they get some sweeps, if not a four one and they're able to get some rest before the next rounds, because I mean, that team needs it with all those injuries that keep happening to them. Yeah. It's uh they're definitely going to have to build a little more chemistry with some of the guys that they've brought in like Drummond and get back into basketball shape, like he said. So it's going to be uh Interesting to see if they can pull it together in time, which they probably can. But, yeah, they do need some kind of favorable matchups early on just to get their feet wet and kind of get back rolling. Um, Joe, this last segment's going to be uh, mostly on you here. Um, looking looking over to our MLB insider analyst, uh, Joe Martinez, um, Joe, can you give us a quick rundown on uh, what you've seen early on in the season um, in the MLB as far as uh, what teams have dominated, uh, what teams have kind of struggled, um, any big headlines that you've come across from the league, Joe? Well, really the biggest headline is the ongoing uh, rivalry that just seems to get you know, seems to be heating up more and more each time they play is uh, San Diego and the Dodgers. I mean, the Padres, you know, they come out swinging. The Dodgers come back hitting harder. And, I mean, those games have really gone down to the wire. Like, one team will get be getting blown out and out of nowhere. The opposite team comes back and wins. And 
you know, it's a lot of trash talking, but it's, you know, it's, it's a good sign, you know, for baseball. You're seeing a cultural shift from the old school into the new school. You know, you're seeing a lot of uh, those unwritten rules being broken by both of these teams. I mean, I think, I think in order to save baseball, in a sense, you need to, I mean, people see baseball as like a, you know, a boring sport. If you don't really know too much, I mean, it, it can be boring, but with, you know, matchups like this, it, and just the trash talking and the breaking of these un, of these unwritten rules, it just gives excitement to a game that has always been seen as like, kind of like, oh, you'll take the family out and just like kill time type of thing. So mm-hmm. really that feud with Fernando Tatis Jr., I mean, pretty much the face of baseball right now, it's it's been it's been some good baseball. I mean, the Cincinnati Reds, a dark horse team that nobody saw, one of the top teams in the league right now. Uh, the Houston Astros, who started off hot, now they're in dead last in their <laughs> division, and it's you're seeing a lot of these older teams, you know, that don't really get the recognition get the recognition early on in the season. Then you see these, you know, powerhouse teams like the New York Yankees who are just continuously struggling and they can't, you know, they can't seem to put a stop to the bleeding. And now we have your, your Texas Rangers for whatever reason can't draft and get rid of all of their prospects. So that's a, it's a sad day to be a fan of the Texas Rangers or the Houston Astros. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, I don't have much hope for them to make, do do much of anything this year, unfortunately. Uh, of course, they kind of cleared house in the off season and uh, got rid of a lot of the guys that have been around for a long time. Uh, you know, your boy Lance Lynn on the bump. Sensu <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chu left. Uh, uh, Rufin Ordor. Uh, there was a a couple others that they got rid of Elvis. Elvis, yeah. Um, it was a massive overhaul, and they brought nobody in, so yeah. it's, it's painful to watch right now. Yeah, they forked out everybody except for like Joey Gallo and Willie Calhoun, and yeah. uh, they basically starting from scratch. I think they pulled up a lot of guys from the minors and. Uh, you know, they're just going to see how they do, I guess. And um, kind It's going to be a very long season. I mean, these dudes are I'm, – I'm, me, personally, I'm predicting there's going to be quite a bit of injuries just because you're going from what was like a, what, a 50 or 60-game season to a full 160. Yeah. That's a lot of games. So there yeah. might be some injuries this year, I wouldn't doubt. Yeah, that's just, I don't know. I've always thought they played way too many games, personally. Um, Yeah. There's a lot of meaningless games that are involved when you start playing that many. And there's a lot more room for injury. I mean, if the full season's 160, I mean, maybe maybe drop it down to like 100 and kind of see how that is. I mean... You can always go back up, but I don't know. It's just it seems like that's just way too many, and like, I, I think it has to do with money. I don't think that I don't think the players association will ever vote to reduce games. I mean, you see these massive three four hundred about three four hundred mil contracts yeah. that are, that they just give away like nothing and. NBA players don't even sniff that money at NFL players. If you're if you're not a quarterback, you're never going to get that type of money in your lifetime. So these dudes are pretty much they have a chance at being almost billionaires, and that's before their endorsements and all that. Yeah, they're both being billionaires at the age of like 26. I mean, it's a lot of money, and I think if they were to ever drop down the games to like a hundred or just completely cut it in half the ticket prices will just skyrocket and people wouldn't go to the games. I think, I think that's what it boils down to. I mean, just with COVID last year, um, major league baseball lost close to $3.4 billion. So 
it, it, it attracts a lot of people. It may not be, it may not seem popular as far as television, but a lot of those stadiums, I mean, when that's all they have, I mean, they're always sold out. Yeah, I mean, I, every game I've ever been to for the MLB, whether it's, you know, deer in the week or, um, you know, a bad team's in town or what, what have you, I mean, they're always pretty full standardly. And, you know, especially, um, you know, if you live in Arlington or Dallas or, um, you know, Houston area, a, a lot of the people around there are a lot more invested than, you know, we are down here because we don't have a team. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, where the missions are. I think they're the Chonklas now. I don't know what they are, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they are the Chonklas now. Uh, but, yeah, it's just they do buy in a lot more when you're closer, of course. And, you know, you kind of see that with the Spurs here. But, uh, you know, like you said, they do go out to the games quite a bit more than they probably are watching it on TV. So, um, yeah, I mean, of course, it's still early on. I mean, there's a lot of baseball to be played. Um, And it's kind of that time of year where you have, um, you know, playoff NBA basketball starting to heat up. So that's going to be taking away from them for a little while. But here in the next couple of months, they're going to kind of take center stage again. And um, it'll be interesting to see kind of where teams are at then and um, pushing on through the summer and into fall again and uh, see how the playoffs play out and see if some of these teams that are on top now can hold that position or not. Um, but uh That's about all we have for tonight, folks. Kind of impromptu episode. Um, Like I said, it was supposed to be the boat show tonight. Um, Of course, our old friend Joe Martinez was glad to step in and take over. But uh, hopefully next week we'll have a boat on. And uh, moving forward, we're hoping to bring on some more guests. Hopefully we'll start to make our way through the SCAC coaching tree and um, try to find some more exciting people to bring on the show for you guys. But um, as always, thanks for listening to us. And, uh, you know, of course, if you ever want to be on the show, please reach out to us and uh, we'll get you on and uh, try to tailor some topics to you. But, um, Enjoy the rest of the week, everybody, and we'll be back next week.